last week we talked about fasting and, and we tried to get to a place of um, understanding that it appears that the practice, the discipline of fasting is something that biblically we could see should be a discipline in the Christian's life. This week, I, what I planned to do was to talk to you, you know, give you information like, okay, these are all the biblical fasts that I could find and and this is what they fasted for, and this is literally how they fasted. And, and at the end, I've got a good bit of that information, but honestly, that's not the heart of what the Lord wants you to hear today and, and me to speak today. The heart of what he wants you to hear and, and what he wants me to speak is to understand that, well, Jesus taught us that we can pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and we can believe that it that heaven represents the perfect will of God the Father, and that if, if something is here that isn't there, that we should get rid of it and that we can expect it to go. And if there's something there that isn't here, you know what I mean. His heart is for us to understand that it, this isn't heaven. And he's enlisted us as his body, right? Jesus was here, and he started his ministry, and for three years he wandered around the, the patch of ground that the Father had given him to wander around, and, and he made his... Uh, spoke his message to the uh, sons and the daughters of Abraham, of Israel. He didn't come for the Gentile. He lived a perfect life. He paid the ultimate price through his scourging, through the, uh, the whole thing, the hanging on the cross, the insults, all of it mattered. He died. He was risen by the power of God, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he said, it's better for you that I go than if I stay, because the comforter won't come unless I go. So when he went, you know the story of the day of Pentecost, and uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church. That's when the church actually started. And now we're Jesus, so to speak, right? We are his body, literally his walking around, smiling, praying, worshiping, fasting, believing, discipling body. And that's the message he wants us to get out of these, well, probably out of every message, but out of these last couple of weeks is, this isn't something that's a ritual. This isn't something that, that, that is to be a routine for the sake of, of religious practice. It's something that should drive a purpose, the purpose being his kingdom come and his will being done on this earth as it is in heaven, so that the, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right, Fasting. The word fast, when we read it in our English Bible, translated in the Old Testament from uh, the Hebrew word T-S-O-M. I actually didn't listen to it. Psalm. Probably good. Hebrew word T-S-O-M. And from the Greek word nestia, like you take the plunge, right? Maybe there's some baptism in there. I don't know. Nestia. But both of those words mean self-denial. So when you read fasting, you know, someone fasting in the Bible, it's, it's self-denial. So if, if you're somebody who doesn't particularly care for chocolate ice cream and you choose to fast chocolate ice cream, it's not a fast because there's no self-denial involved in it, okay? And I started during the announcements to talk a little bit about, I feel like I'm stretching myself a little bit. I'm extending certain scriptures into... A message about fasting, but the Bible doesn't exactly say that they are. So I'm doing it based upon other scriptures. I'm doing it based upon the pattern that I see in the Bible, and I'm also doing it based upon personal and Christian experience, right? Um, 
I've told you that I don't see as many miracles when I pray for people as I used to. I used to all the time. I mean, if somebody had a headache, almost 9 out of 10, I could guarantee you, if we prayed for it, the headache was going to go. And, and that's not been the case for the last probably three and a half years. Um, we, went, we went to see, well, no, I shouldn't say we. Teresa probably had much more pure motives than me. I went to Africa for the summer of 2007 because I wanted to see God's power. I wanted to experience it in amazing ways. And I'm telling you, I could not pray a, a, head, a headache off of anybody. Um, it was very humbling for me. So I'm praying and I say, Lord, you know, where did it go? How come I don't see this like I used to see it? And I keep hearing that word fasting. So finally, after a long, long time, I decide that I need to really start doing what the Lord is telling me and I start fasting and I'm believing. But I'm extending these scriptures like we pray for spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 says that we should earnestly desire. So as I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, you know, what does it mean to earnestly desire? I thought it meant to ask more earnestly ask more but i think it means more than that i think we have to sacrifice we have to give something in order to get the greater things of the kingdom that they cost something and i don't know that it's because god is trying to hold those back i don't know if it's because there's some force of resistance that like the spirit that only comes out by prayer and fasting right that there's some force of spiritual resistance that only those kind of self-denials will push us past i honestly and pushing forward on faith as much as anything else. So I'm asking for your grace. I believe that what the Lord is telling us when he says earnestly desire is to sacrifice something, to put something up, to get some real skin in the game if you really want these higher gifts to flow. In um, Deuteronomy 4, we talked about seeking and finding the Lord with all our hearts and all our souls. I think when he says that, he's, he's telling us it's, it's, it's more than just here I am, Lord. I'm looking for you. If you would just show me all your glory, that would be sweet. It's not what he's saying. I think there's something that we have to provide if we want the more. That's where I'm extending myself. Those scriptures don't speak directly to fasting, but they do speak to earnestness and, and to, to investing all of yourself into finding this deeper, more intimate, more powerful relationship with the Lord. Things that are directly associated with Scripture, though, that you can see in the Bible, um, things that people fasted for. They fasted for God's favor. They fasted for healing to come. David, when his son was dying, King David, right? He fasted for, I was it three days or seven days? Anyway, he fasted that, that God would deliver his son from the affliction that he was, that he was under. Um, for victory in battles, for protection, all that stuff they fasted for. And, and in our case, all those things, the, the purpose, the reason we're doing this, and, and I prayed, and I, and I actually asked a couple people to, to pray with me and, and, and to review these things because I wanted to make sure, I just want to be sure that, that I have the Lord's heart, right? So I, I was just praying for, for the couches, and I said, you know, when somebody doesn't, doesn't ask me to pray for a specific thing. They always get my prayers for what I want. And I wanted to be careful that I wasn't just looking for those things that are important to me, but those things that are important to God for his church. Um, greater intimacy. We've been given a commission. Greater success, maybe ultimate success, that we would actually fulfill the commission that God's given us to make disciples of nations, to teach them everything that he's commanded them to do. Um, that we would, I can never find the right words, 
that we would experience, that we would find, that we would something, the full manifestation of the Holy Spirit, both in fruit and in gifts, right? We know, we know a little bit about spiritual gifts, tongues and interpretations and prophecy and faith and healing and affecting of miracles and others that I'm going to forget off the top of my head, but important, powerful things that the church has to operate in if we're going to be fully effective in completing this commission that God's given us. Also, the fruit of the Spirit. Could you imagine if love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control were just our normal way to be all the time? All those things just emanating. The, the, the realness of what those are, not just, man, I love hamburgers, but, but godly love that would manifest itself. Perfect peace in the storm, joy and kindness, all those kind of things. We'd be such a light that everybody would be drawn unto the Lord through his church. Everything the Holy Spirit has. Victory in every battle we're called to. See, when I pray for Debbie, I feel like we're in a battle. I don't think that cancer is just something that happens to people. I think that cancer is something that happens because sin is in this world. And I'm not saying that that Debbie committed any kind of crazy sin or or her parents, or there's a curse. I don't know why she has cancer. Maybe it's a bad diet. I just don't know. But I know it's a battle. I know it's not God's will. And if we will submit ourselves to the Lord, to the absolute fullest that we can possibly muster in the power of his Holy Spirit, we should want to win every one of those battles. And we should actually, if we had faith, we would want to engage in all those battles. We wouldn't cower away from the wheelchair because they might not get up. I love um, Lucas, right? I love the story of Lucas. He heard God. He knew. There wasn't any, he's like, he probably stepped on his glasses just as an act of faith. God, hey, come on, let's go. That, that he heard from God, he knew it was time. I'm getting them healed. Should we send some new ones? No, Lucas said he isn't going to need them. God told him. And he got healed. Those kind of ears to hear, to know what the Lord is speaking to us so that we move in his time, in his will. See, this is what he wants us to get. It's this. It's, I mean, it's good that you know that you, know, you shouldn't fast food and water for seven months because you'll die. That's good information, but this is what he wants us to get. Oh, sorry. Breathe. I'll just read them to you how they came to me. Absolute transformation from the world to the ways of the kingdom through the renewing of our minds, right? Last week I read for you Romans 12.1. Romans 12.2 says that we should be transformed, that we should be no longer conformed to the ways of this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. Why? That we could prove the will of God, that which is good and perfect. So maybe if we'll submit ourselves through fasting, if we'll make more room in, in us for God, our transformation will happen more fully and more quickly, that our thinking, those strongholds in our mind will come down so that truth can come up and we'll believe God for his word. I almost didn't put this one in here, but I believe really, really strongly that that this is something that God is calling us to, and that's holiness. Jessica, I don't see, there's Jessica. I think all the times you talk to me about fasting, holiness was always part of the conversation, that, that God is calling us to a place of holiness. To be holy is to be set aside to God. If there's something about us that we do or we see or we think that's not set aside for God, that's a place where there's no holiness. And he's calling us to this place of holiness. And just this past week, Teresa was reading about um, 
Smith Wigglesworth, you, you may or may not have ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth, but that guy carried an anointing. Oh, my gosh. And in the past, she's read about um, John G. Lake and William Branham. And, and we've, we've uh, studied probably too strong a word, but we've, we've been really enamored by these people that have carried these amazing anointings. And there's a pattern that you see in their lives, and the pattern is holiness. They are given unto the Lord. And, and in that surrender unto God, his power seemed... Now, maybe, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit just chose them as special people for special purposes. I don't know. But his power flowed through those people in such a way. Catherine Kuhlman's another one. All these, these great evangelists. Holiness was a big part of their life. A big part. So I think that he's calling us to a place of holiness. And that's one of the reasons that we'll fast. And then all of the above, right? John 15 says um, that we're to produce fruit. Real kingdom fruit. Fruit that lasts. So all of that that we might produce fruit for the kingdom. And we might be fruitful in our lives and our efforts for the Lord. We could, right, I said last week, I think, you know, you can fast or you, can, you cannot fast. I mean, I fast and there's, there's no physical evidence of my fasting, right? If, if fasting were a diet, I'm a failure. So, so you can fast and nobody will know, or you can not fast and nobody will know. But if, you're, if you'll submit yourselves, things will happen. I believe that things will happen. And I, I think about asking a church to submit themselves to something that nobody, I mean, maybe you want to, I don't know, I'm getting to the place where I'm actually excited about it, but I'm not, I'd be lying to you if I told you that looking forward to going a whole day without any food is high on my list of favorite things to do. Asking you as a church to do that scares me a little bit because maybe you'll want to go to a church that doesn't ask you to do that. And, and you could choose not to, and, and I, I'm saying the big you, we could choose not to. We could just be a nice church with a great worship band, and we could come in on Sundays and hug and love each other and, and look a lot like the church looks. I don't see too much in, in the church. And listen, I'm, I'm not a church basher. I'm really not. Um, but I don't see too much of what I see in here. And here it says that when they went out and they proclaimed the kingdom, that God confirmed it with miracles and signs and wonders. I don't see that happen too much. So we can say, hey, you know, let's have us a doctrine that says it was for then, and now is the church time of coming on Sundays and doing the best you can during the week and coming back the next Sunday and maybe going on a missions trip or throwing a little money in the mission bucket. And we could compare ourselves with what we see and feel good, except some places the kingdom is being manifest the way we see it in the Bible. There are ministries that are doing, or God is doing, I worry about Christian, what's that word, political correctness. Forgive me if I say something without perfect Christian political correctness, okay? Can I have that grace? Thank you. But there are churches, and there are Christians, and there are people that are casting out demons and raising people from the dead. I think about Iris Ministries, and I remember uh, Heidi Baker she was talking, and she was talking about her pastors in Mozambique, and she said, sometimes they'll pray over a dead person for three days before they rise. That's a lot of commitment. Three days, right? But the dead person gets up. They're raising people from the dead. Every ear that she prays for, every deaf ear that she prays for gets healed. Every single one of them. 100%. Blind eyes being opened. In Africa, if they see a miracle out in the tribe part, the jungle, the bush of Africa, they all, the whole village comes to Jesus. So if it wasn't for people like them, it would be easy for us to be people like 
them, the other ones, right? The church. I don't think that's our call because if we're going to be okay with being coming in on Sunday and treating each other pretty nice and you know reading a chapter a day once in a while, then we got to be okay with seeing people with cancer die and seeing uh, Hunter when his feeding tube doesn't work right. You know, then we got to count on a, hopefully a doctor can get it right rather than the doctor getting it right. The Wensleys get to just be sick. That's not the kingdom. That's not the kingdom. So anyway, my heart, I know Teresa's heart, is full manifestation. Everything that God has for us, whether we ever see it or not, if we, if we make the right effort, if we, if we press into God, we're going to get everything that we should get. And they can have Kleenex. The children need Kleenex. Well, pray, Lord, no sniffles or runny noses in children's church. Amen. Okay, let me read you some scripture. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses... Well, actually, I'm not going to read all of them, and I don't have numbers on them, so I'm going to start in the third slide. I think I have all the slides there. This is basically the Lord is speaking to Solomon, King Solomon. He's just finished building this elaborate palace and this great big temple for the Lord, and they're getting ready to dedicate it, and uh, the Lord says, If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land... Or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who turn excuse me, my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will hear their land, or heal their land, excuse me. There's so much cool stuff in there. When God talks to Solomon, he doesn't say if this whole world will do these things. He says, My people. If my people who are called by my name, that's us. That's, that's us today. And, and understand your sins forgiven by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and, and your faith and your commitment to him as Lord in this new covenant. But God is speaking to his people. He's speaking to us. And then he says, if they will humble themselves. This is where I draw the fasting message in. Fasting is a way of humbling ourselves before the Lord, of saying, you know, Lord, I would really love to eat three meals tomorrow, but I'm going to humble my desires. I'm going to push down my desires that your desires through me might be manifest more fully, and I'm going to fast and humble myself. I think that one of the ways when God asks his people to humble themselves is to fast. He also says if they would pray, if they would seek his face, his face is his favor. Seeking God's face is to know his favor. Turn from their wicked ways. He, he calls them to repentance. You'll notice through this message, there's so much parallel from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So if we, the church, will humble ourselves, if we'll pray, if we'll seek God's favor, maybe with all of our hearts and all of our souls, if we'll repent and turn from our wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven... Then he will hear from heaven, will forgive our sin, and will heal our land. Matthew chapter 6, verses 17 through 21. This is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret secret, will reward you, will reward you. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't think there was holiness in that. Forgive me. So if you continue to read on in Matthew 6, he he talks about things like 
where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Don't, don't, put your, don't, don't let your treasure be these things that will rust and that moths will eat up and that you can't take with you, right? You came in naked, you're going out naked. You can't take any of this stuff with you. But maybe there's some reward more that he's talking about than the kind of treasure. Maybe the treasure, actually, maybe some of that treasure is found here. I'm going to read you Isaiah 58, um, 6 and 7, and then I'm going to stop and then go on with 8 through 11. This is, God has just rebuked Israel through the prophet in the previous verses because they would do this religious fast. They would fast and in their fasting, they would still be abusive to people and they would argue and they, and they wouldn't at all have his heart in their lives while they're going through this sacrifice physically. And he's like, it's just junk to me. I could care less about this fast. He goes on and he says, is this not the fast which I choose? to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? So God calls it a fast when in our hearts, a fast that he hears, a fast that he desires, when we're willing to divide our bread with the hungry. Right? Guess what? Thursday... Thanksgiving Day, six foster families that are tight, tight for money are going to have a fat Thanksgiving dinner because you divide your bread with the hungry. I love that. And three other families are going to have that blessing, just families that you know are connected in some way to our church. So we had allocated 10, we gave out nine, we still got one. If anybody needs help, let us know. We had one more that we budgeted for. We'd probably do 11 if you really asked. Divide your bread with the hungry. When we bring the uh, homeless poor into our house, when we cover the naked and we don't hide ourselves from our brothers and sisters in need. See, these are the things that God calls a true fast, the kind of fast that will move him from heaven. And maybe then the reward is seeing the bonds of wickedness loosed and undoing the bands of the yoke, freedom to the oppressed, and every yoke being broken. See, there's yokes of oppression. There's, there's bondage that's depression. There's, um, oh gosh. There are so many things that we struggle with that can be broken, that, that Jesus paid for, that his church can set people free. My goodness, that the church itself can be set free from. That's, that at least is some, if not the reward that he's talking about. When we fast, those are the kinds of things that, that will be the reward. If you read on in Isaiah 58, he says, then. Now, these are personal. These are ones we can hold on to. But remember, there's always an if and a then. So these are the things that follow the then. Once, once we've committed ourselves to the if part, then comes your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in the darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones and you will be like a watered garden. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Almost like, um, I wonder if, if the reference to that scripture, if there might be one that, 
that speaks to the rivers of living water that will flow from our innermost places when we're full of the Holy Spirit. See, God's the same in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. He never changes. He always was, he is, he always will be. He's, he, is his, his, he is the same person whether his covenant with us changes for whatever purposes he chooses, he's the same. You read all these things in Isaiah and you think about um, Matthew 25, right? Where Jesus is separating the goat nations from the sheep nations. And he said, when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was naked, you clothed me. And when I was sick and in prison, you came and visited me. It's all this, it's all this same kind of stuff. Righteousness, when God calls us to righteousness. Remember I told you about Matthew 6.33 is this like a life scripture for me. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I never really knew what it meant to seek his kingdom and seek his righteousness. So I'd read my Bible, I'd pray, and I'd try to do the things that the word taught me to do. And I'd say, God, if that's not it, then you'll just have to show me what seeking your kingdom and your righteousness really looks like. Well, I'm starting to learn that our righteousness, right? Our, our eternal righteousness is found in Christ. Our personal righteousness, when, when compared to God's holiness and righteousness, is like filthy rags. But there's a righteousness that he calls us to, and that righteousness is serving the poor. It's helping those that are in need. It's, it's bringing the, the homeless into your home. It's dividing your bread and sharing it with others. That's When God sees a righteous person, that's what he sees as righteousness, as righteous as a man can be doesn't change. Just like Matthew 25. Okay. Um, John the Baptist. I want to talk about John the Baptist for just a minute. You know, John the Baptist was the one that was prophesied about in the Old Testament scriptures that he would be the, the forerunner, the one that would make a way for the Messiah when he came. So John came and he preached this message of the kingdom. And he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he baptized people, a baptism of repentance. And then Jesus came, right? We know that John the Baptist was a faster because we know that his disciples fasted. They asked Jesus, they're like, well, how come we fast and your disciples don't? So we know that he was a faster. But even before his birth, when, see, he was born of a barren woman. His father was a priest and and his mother was barren. But God uh, supernaturally opened her womb so that she could have a baby. His dad was actually in, in the, I think, the Holy of Holies. He was in serving the Lord as the priest in the temple when this angel came and speaks to him. And, and this is what the angel said. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You'll have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him, capital H, Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It always struck me that God sends this angel down to speak to Zechariah about this son that God's going to give him and tells him that no fermented beverage or no wine or liquor shall ever touch his lips. I think to myself, 
I think Jesus drank wine. I think fermented beverage touched Jesus' lips. What was John the Baptist's job, or why, for him to do his job, would having any alcohol pass through his lips make him either less able or unable to, to complete whatever his mission was for the Lord? And honestly, I don't know. I think it was maybe like uh, there's this Nazarite, Nazarene pledge that we find that in history that, that people would, um, they would take this pledge of, I don't know enough about it to even try to describe it to you, but I think it's not like Nazareth, Nazarite. It's, uh, I'm going someplace I don't really know. Anyhow, there's a purpose. He didn't say just so that John the Baptist would be bummed out when everybody else was having a glass of wine that he couldn't have some. It was for a purpose. And I think, not that we're necessarily called to never have a glass of wine or never taste a fermented beverage, but there's purpose in the sacrifice. There's purpose in John being more able to do what God called him to do as a forerunner to the Messiah because he sacrificed not having had any wine or liquor, fermented beverage across his lips. And it's interesting, the call that he had, the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous. So the, these disobedient people in Israel, you know, uh, the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the Jews, they were disobedient and they were unrighteous in God's eyes. And, and he was to call them to this attitude of righteousness, which is really what God's asking us to do when we share the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus Christ with the people, it's repent, for the kingdom is at hand. This is, this is the kingdom. This is not the kingdom. Repent from these things. Turn to these things that you might know God. It's very similar. And then make, a people, uh, make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Isn't it our job as the church, as, as we would go out and evangelize, to do the same thing? Because Jesus is going to come back for a bride, right? That's us. And, and, and that bride is to be without spot or wrinkle. So all those spots of the world, all those things of the world that are on us should be getting scrubbed off, all the wrinkles smoothed out. And as we go and make disciples and help other people to know Jesus, part of that process is to lead them to this place of righteousness that, that God's calling them to. Holiness. Sacrifice. Um, for purpose. That we would help that God's bride would be prepared that when he comes back, what he'll find is one without spot or without wrinkle. Beautiful and awesome in his sight. Okay. That was the part that I wanted to do. This is the part that's just information. We're asking you to fast. I think we're going to start asking you to fast on Mondays, however you choose. But understanding the word fast means self-denial in some way or another. Teresa and I, on Mondays, we fast uh, no food. No chew food. Sometimes we drink this stuff called kefir, but I think we're kind of working that out. Kefir's like um, runny yogurt. You drink it, but you don't eat it. Um, we're going to work ourselves to the place where we drink water on Mondays. That'll be our, our typical um, discipline of fasting. You might want to just you know, fast until dinner time, or you might want to, I don't know what, you know, you'll have to decide, but understand if, if there's no sacrifice, if you're fasting chocolate ice cream, but you never eat chocolate ice cream, it, it's really not a fast, okay? All right, um, in the Old Testament, these are some of the things they fasted for. Uh, they fasted in times of war for victory. They fasted when loved ones are sick. They fasted when they were seeking forgiveness from God, or see, and I'm not sure this is an exhaustive list. This is just examples, maybe, or when they were seeking God's protection, 
So these are things that we might call for when we're fasting. In the New Testament, um, Jesus fasted when he was dealing with temptation, right? He went out into the wilderness to be tempted, and he fasted. I never thought of it this way until I started thinking about fasting. I thought they just sent him out there and said, you have to fast. But maybe he fasted. This is probably going to be so, this is my thimble full of smarts, I guess. The fasting was to overcome the temptation, right? You probably all knew that. That's revelation to me. Uh, but he fasted when he dealt with temptation. Um, in Antioch, just in the process of serving the Lord, um, when Paul and Barnabas, I think, were sent out, they fasted before they sent him out. God said, set aside these for me. Um, in, in Galatia, they fasted because they needed to pick leaders in the church, and they wanted to make sure they had God's heart. So they fasted until they, they felt like they knew who those elders were supposed to be in their church. So those are some New Testament examples of things that they fasted for. Fasting should always be done. Biblically, it seems like it should always be done in conjunction with prayer. If we fast and we don't pray, we're maybe just on a diet. So always when we fast, we should pray. And, and as you're fasting, you're going to be feeling physical desires. You're going to be hungry, maybe. There's a grace that comes. It's amazing the grace that comes. And I bet you're going to experience the grace. But you're probably going to get hungry. When you feel the hunger is when you remember to pray. Lord, I'm doing this, I'm doing this for you, for your kingdom, for your purposes, Lord that lost souls be found, that sick people get healed, Lord, that I'll be more transformed into the perfect likeness of your son. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deny myself and just let my flesh die to this hunger so that your will would be done on this earth as it is in heaven. It humbles us. Uh, it chastens the soul when we, when we fast and pray. Now, there's four, I think there's four kinds of fasts that you see in the Bible. Uh, there's a complete fast, and that's literally no food, no drink. Um, the example that I think of off the top of my head was Queen Esther, when uh, the Jews were about to be terribly persecuted, and she called her maids and servants and all of uh, the Jews to fast three days, no food, no water. That's a pretty extreme one. Um, I'm not asking you to do that, but the Lord might. I don't know, but, but we're not. Um, there's a partial fast, like the Daniel fast, where he said he ate no tasty food. So you have to eat food that's not tasty. Not exactly sure. Most people call the Daniel fast, those that have studied it, it would be um, no choice meats. He didn't eat any meat or no wine or no tasty bread is some of the ways that the Bible describes it. Things like vegetables and fruits and nuts and uh, water would, would maybe be a Daniel fast, like a partial fast might be a good way for you to go. A typical Bible fast would just be like what Teresa and I do on Mondays. No food, but you can drink liquids or water. And, and you don't, don't dive into this. I'm, I'm not, this is not an exhaustive teaching on how to fast. It's, it's, to, it's to get us into the concept of fasting. There are some great, great resources that you can get, books that you can read if you're really getting stirred to want to fast. Um, and we'll put those on the website so you can, you can find them. You may already know some. Fast can be almost any length of time. You can fast a meal. Biblically, they did like sundown to sundown would have been a, a good biblical time to fast. You might fast breakfast and lunch and then have dinner um, three days, seven days, 21 days. The longest fast in the Bible are 40 days. That'd be a, you'd have to hear God. Make sure if you think you're going to fast 40 days that you're really hearing from the Lord and that you prepare yourself going in and that you come out in a proper way because that's, 
40 days, even 21 days is a long time to fast. What we expect, what we're hoping for, surrendered lifestyle, a regular discipline, um, corporately for specific purposes. We're going to have on December 12th a guy by the name of Dr. Anthony Yaboa. He's going to come in and preach what he calls a healing crusade. Uh, he's African. I think he lives in the U.S., but he spends a tremendous amount of time in Africa. Great miracle testimonies in this guy's ministry. And uh, he's coming here expecting. He's asked us. I mean, he asked us after we started this message last week, but he's asked us as a church to pray and fast that the Holy Spirit will move powerfully in that healing service. So on December 12th, you're going to want to, if you know anybody that needs to be healed, any sick people, bring them, invite your friends, anybody that needs to get their faith to increase, to see God's power move in the church, that'll be a good day for you to be here, December 12th. Um, we're going to ask everybody to fast. We'll talk about that more in a couple weeks. The end of my notes. That wasn't the exciting part. So we'll start tomorrow to develop a lifestyle. I'm extending myself a little bit. As I've, as I've read different um, Christian teachers that I respect, I don't always get the same answers from them. Um, some say that you only fast really you know, when you feel led to fast. Others say that fasting should be a discipline in your life that you do just on a regular basis. And the testimony that comes from those ministries that have done that has been more, the more of God in their ministries for all the things that the Bible teaches us that we really should expect as God's church and his kingdom. So that's the direction that we're going. I believe that's correct. Um, ask you for Mondays to be a day that you would fast. If you've never fasted before, I would just start easy. Skip a lunch. Use a... Um, there's drinks you can get, like meal replacement drinks if you want to start really slow. You know, uh, I don't know what they're called, but you know, like lunch in a can kind of thing. Tastes good. Probably tastes like a milkshake. Don't put any ice cream in there. Probably wouldn't be a fast then. Um, and then as we find specific things, like Debbie on the 24th is going to go and she's going to get her next CAT scan or some kind of thing that's going to really tell her where she's at with regard to this cancer. And, and if she's going in the wrong direction, then I think we're going to ask the church to fast. So we might do something more than that. Um, there are so many things. I mean, we could fast every day. There are so many needs. But we'll see where the Holy Spirit leads us. He's got a whole church. We're not the only, you know, we're just a little part of the church. And we have a specific role to play. And we'll play our part and trust that the rest of the body will play their, or, yes, play their parts. Um, so... Starting tomorrow, I'm asking you to fast. If you're uncomfortable, if, if this all seems like nonsense to you, call me and let's talk. Let's, let's sort this thing out. Let's open these books up and see what they say and we'll, we'll get deeper into these scriptures in the context, not just in reading you just a verse out of you know, a, a passage of scripture. But we have to see in here what we think we see in here. Well, I know we see it in here. I believe it's for until Jesus comes back and takes his church. Okay? All right. Let's pray. If I could ask you, everybody close your eyes. 
not a salvation call. If you feel led to participate, just raise your hand so I can see. Yeah, awesome. If you didn't raise your hand, it's okay. I just ask you to pray. Let the Lord lead you. Maybe it's not for you. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for, for your word. Thank you that you set the bar high. We wouldn't be light. We wouldn't be different if you didn't set the bar high. I pray right now, Lord, that you release grace over this church to hear your voice and to know your will. And if they hear you, that they would be more obedient than I was, that it wouldn't take a year or 18 months to start to be obedient to the thing that you ask them to do. I pray that next week the testimony will be, wow, that was easy. Lord, we're trusting you that your word is true and that the sick will get healed, Lord, that the lost will get found and the tormented will get delivered and that your kingdom and your will be manifest in this place just the way you want it to be like heaven. I ask for us, Lord, divine opportunities, appointments to demonstrate your will. Romans 12, 1, we offer ourselves, our bodies as sacrifices. Romans 12, 2, we stop to be conformed to the ways of this world as we're transformed into the likeness of Jesus by the renewing of our minds. Step three, that we will prove your will, that which is good and perfect. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that health and wellness is your perfect will, that sickness is nowhere in your plan. You can use anything, all things for good. Sickness is a function of sin, not a function of you or Jesus or your spirit. Lord let's do this see my hands I'm like a big funnel Lord I just pray for more more of your spirit more intimacy with you more ears to hear more eyes to see anointed hands Lord to lay on the sick and see them get better more love Lord more love for you, that we would love you perfectly like you love us with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That we would love our neighbors as ourselves. Really, really, I mean it. That we would love people, the kind of love that you teach us, Lord. Sacrificial love, the greatest love. No greater love is there than that someone would give their life for somebody else. Just like you did, Jesus. If you're calling us to that place, I pray that we have that love inside of us. I think love is a thing. It's like a, it's like, the oil. It's like you can fill us up with it and we spend it and you fill us up some more. Fill us with your love, Lord. Let us be thankful and graceful and merciful and joyful, Lord. I pray for every gift and every fruit of the Spirit to be manifest in all of us, Lord. Just fill us up. I'm sorry, it's late. I just really feel like we need to pray just a little bit more. These are your prayers. I'm just saying the words. They're for everybody. They're for all of us. God's not a liar. Scripture says that every man be a liar, but God be true. 
God's true. He doesn't lie. He wouldn't know how to lie. He couldn't if he tried. It's not him. He can't. We know your love, Lord. We know your love, transformed by your love. What does Heidi say? All fruitfulness comes from intimacy. That we would have intimacy with you, Lord. That we would feel you and know you, experience you. Thank you. Thank you for joy. Thank you for peace. Thank you for long-suffering and all the, the suffering with Jesus because it'll perfect us. It's, it's the way things have to be. But you also give us joy and peace and contentment. Thank you so much. Fill us up, please. More we say. Thank you. shoulders feel worked out. Ken, I got a little pump going here. <laughs> hey, it's Thanksgiving on Thursday. Have the most blessed ever Thanksgiving. If you find somebody and, and, and you just feel a little bit of the Holy Spirit, find a way to bless them. Share your bread. Open your house. Have an awesome week. Hey, you're not allowed to yawn after I preach, just so you know. You had to take it outside. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Have a great, great Thanksgiving. We love you. If you need anything, call.